0: Welcome and thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church Podcasts. We hope you enjoy.
1: We're in a series where we're looking at small truths that make a big difference in our lives. And this morning we're actually going to talk about kids. And uh, I hesitate when I tell people that because a lot of times there are big chunks of people who assume that they should just check out if that's what we're talking about. And I don't think that's the case. even if you are one of those kids or students that's in here right now, um, what we have to say might be helpful for you because you're going to understand a little bit more what your parents are trying to accomplish. So I hope you'll stay with it. These truths that we've been talking about, we've been calling them life hacks. And we kind of took this uh, from our culture. Our culture is finding these little things that they share with each other. And so we've kind of given you examples of what they've kind of thrown out on the internet for everybody to have. The one I want to show you today is probably my favorite. It's the favorite one I've shown you so far. Um, It's if you uh, loan something out, go ahead and put that picture up. Take a picture of the person with the item that you loaned it to so that you, and then don't delete it until you get that item back. You know why he's not smiling in this picture? He's going to have to return that item someday. People should have been doing this with me for a long time. Like, I've collected a lot of your stuff, thank you. But you don't have evidence, it's a great little idea. Now here's the thing. The small truths that we're talking about, they're bigger than this. They've been about relationships and purpose, and now they're going to be about kids. And, And the thing with these is that sometimes the headache and the wreck that the truth can save you with is immediate, and sometimes they play out over a lifetime. The stuff that we're going to talk about with kids has that ability to have this immediate thing that could happen, but also has the ability to play out over their lifetime. And so um, paying attention to the truths that God might offer, um, valuable, wise for us to do. Now, as I've gotten older, I've gone through different stages and I think God has used those to give me different perspectives at time. And I'm in a different stage right now. We don't have any young kids at home. We, um, we now have a grandson. I'm not the primary caretaker for him. I'm not, I don't have that responsibility. But I still have some great influence in his life. In fact, I'm, I consider it the sweet spot. Have you, have you as, as a parent ever, like, given out a piece of advice to your kid And after you did it, you thought, I should get nominated for, like, advice of the year. Like, that was so good, so right, so dead on. Nominate me. I'll win. And your kid hears what you said, and they say, nah. And it's only because you said it, right? And then along comes, oh, I don't know who they are, somebody else, who says the exact same words that you just said. And that kid goes, that's a good idea, right? And you want to remove your hair by the roots. Dozens of times that's happened to me. Anybody else dozens of times that's happened to you? Yeah, yeah, common stuff. I just want to tell you, The reason I think if you're here and you don't have kids, you're outside of that place right now, you're in that sweet spot of the influencer who has the ability to speak into their lives in a way that a parent can and should, but often doesn't get heard. I have that opportunity and I'm looking forward to that. Um, If I use it wisely, I I get the whole idea of let's take them and spoil them and return them back, but there's there's some boundaries that I want to be wise with. Because I have a chance as an influencer in the kids' lives around me to actually improve things and make stuff better. And that's really um, what I'm hoping to do with my life, and I think you could do that too. So as we talk about these truths, I think they're valuable for you, even if you're an influencer, so that you can understand how the power of your voice could really lend itself to supporting what parents are trying to accomplish. Okay, so that's where we're going. Um, I'm going to start with uh, a simple truth out of Proverbs. But before that, I get to eat one of these. Uh, Don't eat yours yet. hmm They're so good. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my mom used to send me on field trips in grade school with a bag of marshmallows. That was my treat. I'd eat the whole bag. Delicious. Okay. Um. Again, hold off on yours. So good. Proverbs thirteen, verse twenty four. It's our first little truth that we're going to start with today. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Now we have got to be getting this one right. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding that have swirled around this verse, and it all focuses on this idea of rod, because most of us, when we were growing up, the idea of rod was one of those three pictures right there, right? It was a belt, it was a spoon, or I forgot, oh, the paddle. Yeah, I love the paddle, right? Um, a lot of people that I talk to reminisce back, like longing for those days to return, I was in school when teachers used paddles, and I could see the benefit of that, but I also saw that it wasn't always used fairly and equally. There were some kids that teachers didn't like, they got it all the time, and some teachers were quick to go to the paddle. They didn't need it, but they used it anyway, and sometimes that happens with parents, and parents point back to this verse, and they say, listen, I I can't not use the rod, I got to do this. And here it is. The rod in, in this verse is a shepherd's tool. There were two primary tools that the shepherd had. He had a staff and he had a rod. They had different uses. But the primary use of the rod, which was, a, it was shorter, um, they usually dug it up by the roots. And so the ball of that was a root on the end of that sort of thing. And it was used to protect the sheep. It wasn't used to whack the sheep around or to smack it or anything like that. They would take that to the head of something that was trying to attack the sheep. So they would use it as a weapon in that case. But they would also use it to redirect. So if a sheep was walking off and they they realized, man, you're not paying attention, the herd is over here, they would take and whip that rod. And it would startle the sheep and the sheep would come back to the herd. Or if they saw that it was about to eat a poisonous plant... They would take and whip that thing, and it would scare the sheep from eating that plant. The primary purpose of the shepherd's rod was to protect. If If you're looking at the second part of this verse, he says, they're careful to discipline them. That is shepherd's language. There was a genuine love and concern and care that was being expressed as they protected, directed, and corrected those sheep. It wasn't wasn't used in that um, kind of smacking the sheep around and teaching them a lesson sort of thing. Now, here's the thing. What we're watching in our culture right now is a belief that if you say no or put up boundaries for kids, you're doing them a disservice. Can I just tell you the scriptures say the opposite is true? And some of the reason that we've had a hard time disciplining is because we've intermingled discipline with a lot of other weird motives that we've had as times as parents. Like, if the kid did something that embarrasses you and you don't like it, now you're gonna teach him a lesson, that's not discipline. If you're emotional because they, they were lying to your face and now you're ready to rearrange theirs, that's, that's not discipline. If you're angered because they've been defiant in your face, and you're gonna get control of this situation and let them know who's boss? That's not discipline. That's not the discipline that's talked about here in the scriptures. The discipline in the scriptures was an intentional. I'm thinking about how I can do this carefully to get the outcome that I need and what I need to do in your life is to find a way to protect you, to direct you, or to correct you. And when you're making those kinds of choices, you're going to say no and you're going to put up boundaries and you're going to need to do that because the rest of the world does. And what's going to happen when a kid who's not learned to understand no or boundaries or have some sort of discipline in their life, what happens when they go out into the real world? Talk about headaches and wrecks. Um scripture just says it as direct as possible. You hate them if you're not willing to put up those boundaries and to say no, and, and we feel like we're doing the opposite because our culture has said to do the opposite would be better, but to have the heart of a shepherd that goes and protects and redirects and corrects, changes the directions, keeps them from poisonous situations or poisonous people, that's what you need to do. And being careful about how you go about accomplishing that is a piece of wisdom that if you put in place, it could protect you from a lot of headaches and a lot of wrecks, okay? So that's the first one, careful, careful use of discipline. Now, um, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, it's so good. Don't eat yours yet. Oh, man, I really like marshmallows, Give me a second. I'm really having a good time with this. I want to savor it. So good. Okay. Second truth is found in Ephesians 6 4. It says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, some laughing going on over here at this verse. Um, and that was a lady's voice. Let me help you with that. It says fathers here. It says fathers here because it was ancient world. They called all the shots. I'm sure the ladies had opinions. They weren't often listened to. In fact, in the Roman world, you could choose to end the life of one of your kids without consequence as a dad. You had that kind of authority. So, there, so Paul's talking to the person who had it. In our culture, it would be, hey, fathers and mothers... Don't do this. Don't do what? Says exasperate. What is that? Well, provoke. Um, irritate. You're like, well, you just told me to discipline. How's this going to work? There's a way to discipline um, that doesn't necessarily lead to this. Provoking, this kind of exasperation, is where it happens at the extreme, where um, there's a constant criticism from the parent, where. It, um, they, they feel like the expectation was placed here and maybe Jesus himself couldn't reach that. But you're constantly driving them to be this perfect thing. And they feel like, I can't ever make you happy. That there's all kinds of ways that we find ways to push, including like they give you feedback about how if you, if you talk to them in a different way, they'd really be able to connect with it better, and you ignore that because you're gonna do what you're gonna do, and it leads to this idea that they're exasperated, that they become wore out, beat down, tired. Now, I think one of the reasons this happens, I don't know that it's intentional, it just it's, it's part of what happens in our busy lives, is sometimes our kids only get our attention when it comes to a time where we're gonna correct Or change direction with them they they only hear from us when they failed or done something wrong and instead of finding a way to pile on a whole bunch of positive stuff so that they understand that when you do correct them it's from a place of love and care they'd never see that they never see the positive interactions that they get with you and and the reason this is so frustrating is because here's the truth If you want to have positive interactions with your kids, it's going to require quality time. And quality time almost always equals quantity time. It's just the way it works. And in our lives, the pace that we're going, we're finding it more and more difficult to give quality and quantity time to our kids. And so what they hear from us is only the negative. And they get to a place where it wears them down. We're talking about this as a staff and um, one of the families on our staff said, you know, we've come to realize that that was happening, and so we actually chose to do something that was different um, that would help start to put an end to that for us because we're, um, we had to have some more positive experiences. So I asked if they'd be willing to share that with you as a little hack. We're going to run this video so you can check this out.
0: Well, one of the things that, uh, as, as our kids started getting older, we wanted to... Um, spend individual time with each one of them. Since we have four of them, um, going out as a family is great and we benefit quite a bit from that. Uh, but we also wanted to focus individually on each kid.
2: As a parent, you'll quickly realize that each child has their own needs. And if you don't give them that one-on-one time to express those needs to you, um, you'll, you won't always know what those needs are or how to meet them.
0: So we started brainstorming and it kind of came back to um, just one of my childhood memories is I remember a few times going to Fort Wayne with my mom and dad um, just with them and it was just one-on-one time and it kind of meant a little bit more than, than spending the whole time with the family. So that's what we did.
2: Um, my favorite date night was probably when I went to Olive Garden with my parents. Um, I like. Um, hanging out with just my parents because it kind of gives me an opportunity just to talk to them about some of the things that's going on in my life and not everybody else's life. One of my favorite ones was I went to Hacienda and then I like to have the one-on-one time with my parents because it gets them caught up with my life and what's happening. It's quality time to spend with your parents so they know you more and you know them more. My favorite date night was probably when I went to Culver's and when I had one-on-one time with my parents. It's just good to talk with them about what's going on in school and
0: my life. My favorite date is probably when I went to Olive Garden and, no, Panera Bread. I like it spending time with my parents because mostly when I'm at my house, time with my parents because they try to spend time with my brothers too.
2: So we have not been perfect at doing these date nights by any means and we don't always do them well. We've learned over the years that life does get in the way and busyness can sometimes overwhelm and sometimes even the kids just want to stay home because you get so busy and that's okay too. Um, but I would encourage everybody to take the time, even if you only have one child, there is something about getting outside of life, outside of the home, outside of that schedule, and just giving them that one-on-one time. That also means to put the phone away, and we don't always do that the best either.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fortnite. That's why we can't have you playing it anymore. That should be our
2: new life hack. Forget, forget the oh. date nights. Life (laughs) hat Fortnite (laughs) needs to go.
0: I lost her there holding that pink rotting reel. She's doing almost everything but sitting still. Talking about ballet shoes and training wheels And her kittens and She thinks we're just fishing I Say daddy loves you baby one more time She says I know I think I gotta buy and all this laughing, crying, smiling, dying Here inside's what I call living She thinks we're just fishing on the riverside Throwing back what we can't fry Drowning worms and killing tide. Nothing too ambitious She ain't even thinking about what's really going on right now but I guarantee this memory's a big one. She thinks we're just fishing She's already pretty like her mama is Gonna drive the boys all crazy, give her daddy fits I better do this every chance I get It's time's a ticket She thinks fishing on the riverside Throwing back a weekend fright Drowning worms and killing time Nothing too ambitious She ain't even thinking about What's really going on right now but I guarantee this memory's a bigger She thinks we're just fishing She ain't even thinking about what's really going on right now But I guarantee this memory's a big one. she thinks we're just fishing. Thinks we're just fishing.
1: Find your fishing moment with the kids in your life that you're trying to influence. I wish I would have figured this out a long time ago but you're gonna have to discipline and it should happen amongst a pile of positive stuff that you've stored up where they see that you really love them and care about them. One of the reasons the shepherd wasn't feared when he threw that staff is because they spent so much time with that shepherd they knew the shepherd cared about them. And so the sheep weren't in terror when they were simply disciplined. I understand we're busy but finding a way to create valuable space with the people you love is important and it prevents them from being exasperated and I've seen what that looks like it's scary they quit on you they can quit on life they can just be done don't exasperate the verse goes on adds another part of this It says instead instead of provoking instead of doing that Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Whew. Some people see that and they feel like, man, I don't know if I'm qualified to be the one who instructs them. And I would say, hey, we understand people feel trepidation there. And so it's one of the reasons we partner with you here at Waypoint. We have a lot of kids programming that we do. We wanna come alongside you. But let me just tell you the truth. What you do at home and how you do it at home is going to be the major influence in their life and we're just adding a little piece to it you're in the driver's seat and I actually think there are some pretty powerful tools that you're that you have to use you're already using them whether you realize it or not and, um, and you're aware of them too I mean we all know these exist Jesus was aware of them he was using those with his disciples in John 13:15, he says this to his disciples I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Have you you ever been around a kid who blurted something out and the thought ran through your mind, oh my word, they had to hear that at home or on a television or maybe she got that from another kid at the daycare. Like it's outside of their scope, but what they just communicated, they're just copying somebody. See, we know kids do that And it actually, um, actually people do this. Somebody does something and you follow their example. And we all know it works that way. So the question I have for you is why aren't you taking advantage of that? See, it's one thing to say, this is what I value. It's another thing to say, this is what I value. Look, it's here in my life. I don't want to tell you to do something. I'll show you to do something. I'll show you this because I'm doing it myself. Come along with me as I do this, and the values that you have start to be transmitted in one of the most powerful ways that exist, you modeling it. And like it or not, you are already modeling. They're already learning from you this way. And so the question is, are you going to choose to do something intentional about with that space. I know I've got their attention. I know they're watching me, even though they haven't said it. What I choose to do now matters. What I say, how I say it, where I go, what I do, all of that communicates. And you are training. You're training. It's modeling. Now, there's another piece of this. Um, that was in the verse that I love. It said instruction too. I think there's a second layer of modeling that takes it to the next level with its value. Uh, When you're in the process of modeling it, it'd be incredible if you could explain to them why you're doing it. The why you're doing it possesses the purpose, it possesses the reasoning behind the choices that you've made and that's what they've got to latch on to. That's what they've got to get a hold of. It's that kind of stuff. And um, they're asking questions. I know they are because I hear parents who complain about being irritated because the kids are constantly asking why. Can I just tell you, if that's happening to you, that's a sweet spot. There's nothing like it. I'm, I'm in one of those right now with my kids. There's very little. They're all older. Very little I can do to step into their life and to tell them what I think they should do right now. But you know what's happening? They sometimes come and ask me, which gives me the freedom to speak freely. And boy, I do. And they're open to it. And it's one of the coolest exchanges that you can have. You have gold. When that child or student asks you why, and we get frustrated by that. We get frustrated sometimes because we don't have time to explain the why. Just trust me and do it. Sometimes we're frustrated because the why stinks. It's a terrible reason. And we don't want to have to admit it and face it and kind of wrestle with that. And other times it's just, it's just become annoying to us. And we've lost sight of the fact that you have put yourself in a position to receive that question. And it is a gift from God into your life. And your opportunity to turn around and explain why allows them to see your heart towards God. It allows them to see your heart towards them. You you get to put all of that on display so that they understand, man, they really do love and care about me. Modeling and explaining really goes a long way when it comes to you being effective at being a parent and being an influencer if they're not your kids as well. Okay, so we've got um, three out of the way. We're down to the last one. And I wanna start with a small study that was done at Stanford University. Uh, They did it with four-year-olds, just so you understand how early this stuff was actually playing out in people's lives. They did this with four-year-olds. took a four-year-old into a room and they set them down with a marshmallow in front of them and they said to that young kid "Um, you can eat that now or you can wait until I return and when I return I will bring a second marshmallow and if there's one still on the plate in front of you you'll get a second one and if there isn't you just get the one that you've eaten And then they recorded what happened with those kids. The kids who took that marshmallow down, I would have had real problems back then, right? Marshmallow fiend. Um, And they recorded the ones who waited. And then they tracked these kids into adulthood. And there's been a a lot of research on this stuff. They've, um, along socioeconomic lines, all that kind of stuff, they've, Varied in, put in all of those variables, and this stuff holds true. Just flat out true. Here's what they found. Um, I made a list that I don't have up right now. Okay. They found that the kid who ate the marshmallow did worse academically. They were worse with social competence. They didn't have as many friends, didn't know how to make friends, had difficulty with social settings. They had higher crime rates. They had more substance abuse. They had worse overall health, period. Worse overall health, period, than a kid who is able to wait. I, I want to read a small verse to you. I think um, as a culture, maybe this should be adopted. It's Galatians 6, 7. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We live in a culture right now that would like you to believe at times that up is down and down is up or that there's no such thing as up or down, that those things aren't even real anymore. And here's the truth. The choices that you make will produce fruit in your life. And so whatever's going on actually does matter because you can say it doesn't But it will produce fruit. And what they found with kids who lacked a level of self-control, that it later on in life, it was producing all kinds of terrible outcomes. Why is this important? Because one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the things that God cares about and says is valuable, is self-control. You can call it delayed gratification. The ability to wait and to say, no, I'm going to deny myself that thing, for a different time. Um, Here's the thing. I I think you could go to that whole list, by the way. Go to Galatians 5.22 and look at that whole list. If you as a parent wanted to know some stuff that would be valuable for you to find a way to model for your kids, it's right there. But this one's big. This one's big. Did you hear the list that I read off of the consequences that would happen if somebody doesn't have a level of self-control? Now, here's what they found. Even at four years old, those things were, those patterns were already in place. But, but, this is really important, you could train those kids to have self control. Um, They gave a small list of stuff that you could do. You could have them wait for snacks, you could ask them to work to receive the reward of some sort. So they understood that there was something that had to go before that, and and they just didn't get it, but they had to work for it. They said even with small kids, it's important if you're standing in line to tell them the value of waiting in a line to get the thing that you're getting. (laughs) Talk about that's going to be hard. That's one of those things that as a parent, you're going to have to value before you can model it. Right? How many of us hate standing in line? It's the worst thing that's ever happened in our lives. Yeah, we hate it. Like it grates on us. There's some value in this. And if you can point that out to the child, that would be great. Uh, Give them a small allowance and teach them to save over time to get that bigger thing. Again, delayed gratification helps them develop some self-control. Why? Because you love them and without it, the outcomes that they find in people's lives, without the fruit of the Spirit, is not good. And as somebody who loves your kids, you ought to be looking for ways to train the stuff that matters to you. So all of these kind of are separate and they all kind of are interwoven as well. Because if you wanna be careful, if you wanna be careful um, to discipline, You'll be careful to figure out, how can I do this? How can I show them what's valuable and important so they start figuring out these life lessons that will track with them for years? You, you get that kind of responsibility. And if you're not keeping your eye on the ball, you'll, you'll have kids who have no self-control, who don't have a sense of peace, who don't have a sense of just go to the list and their lives will be harmed because of that. Parent, influencer, you have the chance to train, to help instill some of this stuff in their lives, but you've gotta be intentional about wanting to do it. There's a life hacks. I don't know which one um, you wanna grab onto. Don't try and do all four at one time, but, but think about what's going on in your life. Think about the stage you're in right now And what you need to do to start being more effective so that you can avoid headaches and wrecks. Let me pray with you. God, we're really grateful that you care about us as people. You've given us great responsibility. There's purpose and meaning in raising kids and influencing kids. It may be one of the greatest things that you've given us the chance to do. So I just ask that you would help us to have open eyes about about the wise things that we could do that would make that better, that would save kids from headaches and wrecks in their lives. God, your wisdom is clear. Just ask that you would give us the courage to step into it. To embrace it. To be the kind of people who are figuring this stuff out. There might not be easy solutions, but I ask you would make us careful shepherds of those who we get to care for and influence. Help us to be wise in Jesus' name.
0: We are so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcasts. Our prayer is that these resources are a
1: blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.